everybody, and welcome to the RPG Fan Retro Encounter. Today we are doing one of the biggest Tales games, maybe sort of ever, Tales of the Abyss, a PS2 classic in its own right. Uh, you are joined by Mike Trivial Pursuits Losi. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Alana Boombastic, Mrs. Fantastic Higgs. I like that. I'm happy with that. I was thinking when you said Trivial Pursuits Losi, I was like... What am I going to get? But I'm more than happy with that. And hello, everybody. <laughs> My friends won't play Trivial Pursuit with me anymore. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> why I used it. Yeah I, yeah, I won on the first turn once, and they got pretty upset about that. <laughs> I'm so glad I picked good then. Uh, and I am your host, Stephanie. I got nothing so low. Uh, so, we are going to be talking about Tales of the Abyss, released initially in 2005. I think it was released in the U.S. about a year later. Uh, it sports probably the series' most expansive story, marred sadly by long low times, but it was then later re-released on the 3DS for its 10th anniversary and has kind of sort of a few new features. Most notably and most importantly, less load times, which I realize isn't a feature, but worth talking about anyway. All right. I'm playing it on 3DS, and I haven't noticed any load times at all. It's, uh, it's It runs pretty smoothly. Yeah. Which is great, because you have a few places in that game, like Doth, which is just corridor after corridor after corridor, and on the PS2 game, it would be just 10 seconds of loading between them all. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a disaster. Um, that said, uh, personally speaking, this is probably one of my favorite Tales games, um, mostly and solely for the story alone. It is huge. It is an incredibly, incredibly deep plot, and there's a lot of factors in it. There's politics, there's environment stuff, there's magic, there's cloning blues, there's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, so, Alana, you've uh, you've played this game before, right? Yeah, uh, this is the third playthrough. Uh, only ever played it on the 3DS because Europe were neglected for the PS2 release with this game, sadly. So it. we had a big we had a big wait between Symphonia and. Uh, we got a re-release of Eternia, I think, the year that Abyss came out in America. Um, and then we got Vesperia a couple of years later. So, yeah, we have a big delay. You guys America, got play America never got that Eternia re-release, but I... They didn't. Oh, it was so I, good. I, I actually got a UK copy just to play it on the PSP. <laughs> hey! Joyfully region-free. Yeah. So, I guess it's safe to say that, you know, we definitely are kind of Tales fans, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I've played at least four or five of them, but this is my first full playthrough of Abyss. I have one abandoned PS2 playthrough from many years ago, where I I think I stopped when I was trying to find Exeriuth, like I was supposed to go through that mountain pass, and because because uh, that around the Legretta fright around there is where I stopped recognizing things. So I think that's where I stopped when I uh, was playing the PS2 version. And it's sad because the story is a bit of a slow burn and it's really hard to start getting it going. But I think after that Xeriath point, things really pick up fast. Oh, yeah. It's, um... You are the first-time player for this, so we're definitely curious about what you think. But I'm glad that both Lana and I are kind of veterans into this because they do throw a lot of terminology and locations and people at you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was mixing up which half was Kim Laska and which half was Malkuth, like, the whole time. <laughs> and, and, uh, and now... Like, that's confusing. And uh, at, at, we're, uh... Uh, I guess the stopping point where we're going to stop talking about spoilers is uh, right when war officially breaks out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. War were declared. The easiest way to remember it is that Malkuth has the best king and Malkuth yes. has the worst king. Well, like, I, I usually worst. remember it with Natalia saying her name. Natalia Valera Kimlaska Landville there or something like that. So. Yeah. yeah. She has an insanely long name. 
And it's pretty, though. I love Stephanie Shad doing that kind of princessy role because she nails it so beautifully. Oh, yeah, I love. Actually, the voice acting on a whole for the main cast is really good, isn't it, I think? And there's a lot of it. There is so much voice acting in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did the uh, we did the Persona Three podcast, and there's three Persona Three actors in this uh, in this game that I am I'm just getting so many flashbacks. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, but it's, the right. voice acting is pretty good, especially for the main characters. It actually yeah. really is. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of huff about. Um, actually, you know, we'll get into that. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't know where to really start. Um, for So I can't really defend like a lot of the dated aspects of this game, but I do want to talk a lot about the plot and some of the overall kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, so so far, I guess, first impressions. Anybody want to go? For the first half that we're kind of in? I'll, I guess I'll go a little bit, because they, I mean, this is my first impression for most of the game. And... Uh, I, I I am definitely liking it so far. It once you hit Exeriuth, the plot becomes much more action packed because at the uh, at the start, um, it's you're basically going on a series of diplomatic missions, and they're introducing to you the different settings and different and different people. But uh, I I like how not much really stays in. <laughs> no, not much really stays in. And I like how they take character risks because uh, for the first few hours. Um, they're obviously hiding a lot from you. Like they, like uh, you will, people will straight up ask Jade or Guy or Tear questions, and they'll just say, "I don't want to talk about it." <laughs> so it's pretty cool, though. On a second playthrough, a lot of the times when Ion says like that's confidential, you can kind of piece together what he's talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and well, I mean, maybe the most obvious thing is, uh, I mean, Luke is an unlikable brat. <laughs> and, uh, and very rare eh? Yeah, for a uh, jrpg hero exactly and even for tales games like i'm used to tales protagonists being plucky teenagers that always want to do good and luke sort of turns into one of those but he but he's definitely just petulant annoying extremely rude to everyone except for especially his pet Sheagle. Who he just who he refers to as kicks. I like that he always is a little bit. <laughs> he does not like it. Yeah, so, he, yeah, he still calls it a thing, even when he kind of smartens up. He just really does not like Mew. Mm -hmm. He's nicer, but still tells it to shut up. Yeah, um, but and, and it's they're obviously setting up for a character turn, and I think it's a it, at least so far it's a successful character turn. But I, I like how. Um, they're deliberately keeping things from the player. The player can tell, oh, there's more going on here, and I don't know what's going on yet. Then they really um, pull the rug out from under you with the clone revelation and the van revelation. And and uh, Luke has a, you know, a, a personal crisis. And then after that, it's like the game really starts like it's, it's starting to roll once uh, Luke cuts off his hair FF9 style and, uh, and rejoins the party. It's... I, I really like everything that was going uh, that's going on since then. But leading up to it, I was a, I was a little confused, a little in the dark, and uh, finding it sort of difficult to connect to a protagonist that's awful. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but 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 it was deliberate. Like I I could tell it's like all right, they're not trying to make him likable or fun, and he's 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 awful. It's just he's they're deliberately making him terrible, and the and they're communicating that to the player. Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting risk that they taste that they take there, and at least so far, it looks like it's going to pay off positively. I I really like everything since then. It's uh the the stakes 
the, the stakes of the game are very evident. And uh, now there's a clear villain. That, and But his I don't think his plot is totally clear yet. No. It's, uh, it's kind of straightforward, but yeah. Uh, but I do like that they keep the that you keep your eyes on him the entire game. You're not just kind of you know he's not like a last minute villain, right? Yeah, the way sort of Duke was in uh, Tales of Vesperia, where you're just kind of oh. like, yeah, all right. And I love, and I love Duke as Don't well. Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah and, just... and, and we're only at the halfway point of the game, but a lot of the plot revel- revelations that they've given us at the one third mark or one half mark feel like they could be at the end of the game. It's, yeah, it's like. A- it's like, oh, we, we discover Luke is a clone. Guy reveals that he's uh, a noble from a lost kingdom. Uh, the, the Van Car- villain turn. Like, all of this feels like it could be done for the last couple dungeons. But now we're at the halfway point and a lot of cards are on the table. Yeah, it does hit you like a train, doesn't it? A little bit like it's just overloaded. And the whole, like, I think my favorite bit of that part is after you've destroyed Axarius, you're in this kind of sea of mud called the Cliffoth, and it's like, oh my god. That's a, I remember playing that for the first time and thinking, that was quite a clever idea. I was like, so there's an entire like layer of trees that are basically keeping this crust. It's basically like Earth, I guess. In a it's really real, imaginative, actually. It's really clever, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I love that. <laughs> the first time you go into the Cliffoth and the whole, oh, I, that's terrified. Like, the it, music it makes me... is really unnerving. It makes me that much more impressed with the title of the game. Like, lately, they've been just kind of a lot of nonsense words, Zillia, Vesperia, etc. Or, well, yeah. Vesperia's okay, but, you know, everything else, though. But Tales of the Abyss is just a pretty cool title for a game that is about what it's about. Yeah. The first part of the game, I think, up until, like, Zerius, especially replaying it, I kind of struggled a little bit, because, like you said, not loads happens. You're just going from place to place. You're so essentially being... Yeah, you're essentially being, like, Jade's kind of ticket to do things like oh you're from you're from Kimlaska you could get me here and here and I want you to stop the war with me as well but once you hit Axarius and once you hit the big revelation that oh you know what there's an entire layer underneath that you used to live on long time ago things start getting like the stakes are really really big and what I also really like about the story is that nobody in your party is necessarily a good person and you'll get more, like, you've started to see shades of that already. So, like, you've seen Shades with Guy where he had the uh, Thon Slot Seal um, where he tried to attack Luke. Um, and then you've also got Jade who is, you know, the very, very father of Fomicry and clones. So I got a lot to say about him, but we'll, we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. I got a kind of fun structure for that. Oh, brilliant. I love Jade. <laughs> I'm always willing to talk about Jade and Guide all, Guy all day, so it's fine. But yeah, there's um, a really like, I really like the way that, like, Natalia is probably the nicest of them, like, the cleanest hands kind of thing. But even so, she's got a bit of a backstory that comes up in the second half that's, you know, you don't expect it. You don't expect it, and it's really sad. But I think Abyss has one of the strongest casts in the series. Tales are always really good at good characters anyway, I think. Um, it's the rare case where the game did great in both departments, though. Usually it's just the characters you look at, but yeah. Tales of Abyss, I think, sports the best story and one of the best character sets. I would yeah. agree. I, 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 Does almost, it? I almost always think characters are more important than story for RPGs. Cause I've, I've I'll played, agree. I've, plenty, I've played t- plenty of RPGs with bad stories, but um, as long... But, I mean, you're going to be stuck with the cast of characters that they provide for usually, you know, a few dozen hours, maybe. So if if a a, a cast is really bad or annoying, that's uh, I think I think it's more of a sin than a, a story that's a little bit rote. But yeah. I, but I agree with you. Um, 
I think the story and characters here are really good. There's a none of these characters are are perfect. They're all flawed. They're all hiding things. But there's likable parts to all of them. And the I I'm enjoying how political the story is. <laughs> Does yeah. Does the cast make you feel bad? Because they're basically like either all nobles, aristocrats, or some other thing. There are no peasants in this game. No. <laughs> no, yeah. So. No, um, I think the closest thing to a peasant, uh, I mean, maybe Annis, because her parents are both, yeah. her bar- her parents are both just terrible with money. And she's, she's got a huge position, though. Like how yeah, she got yeah. that is technically the most unrealistic aspect of them all. But yeah, <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> I, I guess she's a prodigy at transforming backpacks into giant, you know, into giant oh, bears. Then good on her. That she... yeah. uh, but I like that there's, like, even she's kind of got, wait, okay, we'll get into that. Uh, I want to take care of this piece of, of thing first, just because I think it'll be pretty short. Um, gameplay, what do you think of the fighting? Um... I think yes. on the most part, it was the first, I think, yeah. So it was the first Tales game that had not just, it didn't just work online. So up until Rebirth, I think Rebirth was before Abyss, it was all on a plane, on a line. Even though Symphonia was the first 3D entry, you it still can run around in circles. So yeah. this is the first one where you can sort of hold down the shoulder button yeah. and run around in circles. Uh, it's really broken. So if you start running around... <laughs> enemies in circles they get really confused uh it's a bit of a shame because the ad skills are actually a lot of fun yeah they're really good aren't they um i really like i really like the phonon system so i'll jump into that i think so me and solosi have been talking about this a little bit so basically there are six main elements in the game and if you basically stack them up on the field so say that tier costs invoke fire and then jade costs explosion or something you'll get like a red circle on the field and that circle, if you do an attack within that circle that corresponds with that, they'll get an addition, like a special attack. So I think there's like, I can only ever remember Guy's. Guy has one that's like for water. He has Frigid Moon, which is I like love that one. Flash. I love I love all of Guy's. I love Guy. And um, but <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think, I think all of the melee characters have at least one in each of the four yeah. basic elements. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's different for each one, but... Um, I, I, I consulted a list. I think uh, I think Guy and Luke both have ma- around eight, maybe, or maybe t- more like ten. But it's, yeah. the, the field of phonon stuff is a really interesting wrinkle to combat. I, I like it a lot. The problem is I I, I sort of <laughs> get a little bit of tunnel vision. Like yeah. um, if a uh, oh shoot, if I'm controlling Jade and I'm usually controlling either Luke, Guy, or Jade. If I'm controlling Jade and a uh, a fire circle comes up, then I immediately forget strategy and forget positioning, and just immediately try to cast Stalactite in the fire circle to get the eruption spell. Yeah, and it's kind of like if you if you're playing a fighting game and you have a full meter, and it's like, oh, I gotta use this meter and cast the super move, and you just sort of forget everything else about the game and you die. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tales of Zillia was really better at triggering at like those kind of kind of combo attacks too. I do feel yeah. FOFs are a bit infrequent. Exactly. All the Tales games have got gimmicks, but this one feels like the most gimmicky, I suppose, because at least you've got the Fatal Strikes in Vesperia, which you can tell when you're going to be able to do them, and you pretty much have to do them at that point. Or as, whereas Abyss's Field of Phonons is positional-based, some of those part, unless you're a spellcaster, in which case it will work wherever, wherever, whenever, wherever it is, basically. But it's very much by chance, because you could cast like splash and then another enemy could use an earth spell and that will cancel that circle out so it's almost entirely luck based but you just have to get the timing perfect and it's frustrating i like doing them and they're really satisfying when you do do them but it's just a 
I think it's a bit of a clunky gimmick. They could have done it a little better, I think. Like, I feel that this battle system is really, really satisfying, just a bit broken. So, like, yeah. if they remade the game and just kind of finely tuned it a little bit better, it'd be way, 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 way better. I think so. I think coming back from some of the newer ones, so Bessaria in particular, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't work on a TP-based system, but there's a lot more free reign. And even though there are things that are broken in it, I think that there's the balance is there so you can run around more freely but at the same time the enemies can also run around more freely and are not kind of dumbfounded by the fact that oh my god luke's running in circles (laughs) like please help me just but no it's fun the one time i felt like i successfully used the fof system was when I, i i wasn't doing it well i was fighting a boss i wasn't really using it well but then jade cast his uh his uh, his wind spell, I forget what it's called. I think I just learned it too, and it and mentions ah, so that's your weakness and turbulence. Yeah, turbulence. That was it. So I paused, um, switched, turned off all of Tears' spells except for her healing and her invoke wind, and turned off all of Jade's spells instead of except for turbulence, and then adjusted Luke's arts so that uh, he could he would only he was only using ones that could use wind field of phonons and then i finished the battle that way and got a field of phonons boost like four times and it felt great but i had to do like, <laughs> i'd do like a full three minutes of tweaking just to, yeah. to use it right so it, you have to pre-prep it, it yeah it, it is a gimmicky system but um it's satisfying when it works and it's a really cool idea that is um that, that doesn't you you can't ignore it pretty easily too it's a uh, if you can i'm sure you can beat the game without ever invoking a field of phonon uh, bonus on purpose mm-hmm. but it's still cool I, I i i like most of the combat going forward i mean i'm i've i've played most of the older tales games so i'm i'm used to the linear slightly clunky combat and <laughs> abyss feels like a much uh, like a better version of symphonia with the free run button. but of course a step down from Vesperia, so it's yeah. right where it needs to be i yeah. think yeah, yeah i think so. um, the combat never gets in the way of enjoying the game no, no, definitely not. It's not. And, and it's actually fun to like run circles around enemies in the end. So I'm just like, eh, <laughs> it really is. I'm just gonna let it work for me. You know? Yeah, I know, you never have as much TP as you want, but uh... mm. oh no, I tell you what, there's somewhere all the newer ones seem to be like abandoning TP. Coming back to the TP system has really thrown me off, and I'm just oh, like, oh yeah. my god, I burn through it so quick. Yeah, there's a lot of players though who actually hate this whole CC or just you know whatever alternative to it though. So. No, I, yeah, I, I, think, I, I sort of like the CC stuff better, even though it took some getting used yeah. to it the first time I played Graces. Be, uh, because, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, the TP system limits players. Like when you're out of TP, you can't use your coolest moves anymore. And the yeah. uh, and then the others and the other systems like, oh yeah, you can use all your coolest moves as long as you get as long as you get one or two attra- attack strings in, and that means that you're allowed to use your f- most fun, most effective combos. With uh, without having you know, basically guilt free, without having to you know like huff orange jellies or something. So <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, like, the TP system for tails. It's way too easy to burn TP, especially if you're using a melee attacker. You get it way too slowly too. Like you hit for one TP at a time. That's gotta go. Like, yeah. It really should be percentage based or something. Yeah, not as bad with a. It's not as bad with Luke and Guy, but uh, having played through as Natalia for most of this playthrough, it's really hard to get back TP. And a lot of her later moves use up a lot of TP, especially her healing moves. They yeah, burn first, through it. Her first healing move is like 20 TP, 
when, when she starts out with 75 or something. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, she does on, heal man. a lot. It does heal a lot, though. It does like three quarters, I think. So it's good. But yeah, it is so it, pretty ridiculous yeah, at times. Is, you know, the, the equivalent of MP in other games, in case people hadn't figured that oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it feels <laughs> especially limiting in this Tales game. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, I do like a lot of the boss fights, specifically ones against the god generals. I always like how those feel yeah. like big fights that you're having. I, I like and as usual, I think it's... Ever... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think you and I are about to say the same thing. I love when they kind of square off one villain with a with one yeah. hero. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I do like that as well. You got your grudge against them. Less so yeah. with a guy and Sink, but whatever. Well, yeah, that's I mean, more coincidence. Sink did take control of guy of guy a couple times, and I think guy's upset about that. Yeah, and also he knows something about Sink that nobody else does. So oh, that's right. He saw Sink without his mask, and I I yeah. think I know what that twist is. <laughs> it's not too <laughs> it's not too difficult to figure out <laughs> yeah, I, mean, if, if the, I mean the two it's, it's a puzzle with two pieces and those are voice actors and hair colors I don't know yeah. what it is but I completely get really stupid when I play games and when I played the game the first time I did not make the connection I was just like huh <laughs> I did but not I immediately shut down. <laughs> it was only when I think it was the time you go to Kessidonia where um, Sync takes over Guy and Guy tries to attack Luke the first time I was sort of like Hang on a minute. Those voices are the same. But I like it. And when you find out why, it's really interesting. So that's definitely something I want to talk about next episode. Um, Okay, so actually let's kind of go right into and talk about, I guess, like dungeons and fields and all that kind of stuff. One thing I noticed this time around that never really clicked in with me last time is that it's very much like a kind of point-and-click, kind of hide-and-seek kind of thing where you can interact with a lot of the environment. So, like, uh, yeah, in a lot of towns, you can, like, go around, you'll find some sort of hidden passageway to some treasure. Uh, you can start the Antlion Man quest if you literally go investigate an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but then there's, like, a lot of weird little gimmicks, too. Like, you can play with items, you can, you know, just see weird stuff happening. The yeah. secret town in this game, similarly, is just a lot of weird, tiny, little clickable gimmicks. <laughs> I love I love that town. I love it. I do miss that. I'm That's not sure some... I found that yet. Is it, uh, is, is it up it's... to where we've played? No, no, it's late game. It's end game, pretty much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, this is something that I miss from a lot of modern games, is that the interactability with towns, like in a lot of newer Tales games, you can only go in like three or four buildings a town, but going back to Abyss was really nice because you could literally go and explore every house and every room, and it was yeah. a lot of fun. And I like... As great as Berseria is, there is just nothing happening in it besides almost combat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> there was definitely it's definitely an improvement on the previous entry and the previous couple of entries. But yes, definitely there are certain. It's fallen sacrifice to a couple of modern gaming things that people don't think that people want, and actually they just kind of help a little bit. But um, like dungeons in this game as well compared to you. I'm gonna keep comparing it to the modern tales games, even though this is like retro encounter, so I shouldn't be doing this. But um, base the dungeons are a lot better. They're not amazing, like. They're pretty simple, straightforward. I do like that they're short. So a lot of them nowadays, like in the more recent ones, are just really long corridors with a couple of dead ends. These ones have actually got a bit of structure to them, and there's actually things to do. So we've all played up to Shuri Hill, and that's got an actual puzzle in it. I was like, there's a Tales dungeon with a puzzle in it, and I feel like it's been a while since I've had a Tales dungeon with a puzzle that you have to think about. 
I mean, they're not particularly amazing, the dungeons, though. No, I don't they're not think... complicated. You yeah, can sit there for a minute, if that, and know what to do. Yeah, um, I, uh, def- I, 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 like, I almost like that about them. Like, none of the dungeons feel yeah. like they're wasting my time. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. when you're going through one, there's, you know, it's mostly linear, but with offshoots to pick up treasure chests. And you can often see future or past paths as you're going through it. And it's, yeah. But there, there's a structure and a thoroughness to them that feels okay. And uh, the most annoying one was probably Oracle Headquarters, just because... Oh. And that's just because, um, I mean, Steph mentioned that the that building is a bunch of corridors, because it's just a, bu- it's just a bunch of corridors and storerooms. And again, that, again, is actually one of those dungeons you can be done in ten minutes if you know what to do. Like, you can basically yes. skip half of it and just make well, a beeline for the end. That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. I had to... I had to thoroughly check it's out. It's the last room you look in that they're being held in. You don't have to search for every one, and they're like, oh, the three qu- the door at the three-quarter mark. Oh, no. Really? No. <laughs> um, but, like, on that, like, not to spoil things, but that whole interactivity, like, the final dungeon is one of those uh, that actually just has a lot of that for a lot of secret rooms and secret gimmicks. Yeah, it really does. That's great. The um, Oracle Headquarters dungeon, although it is frustrating and a little bit fiddly, it's unique. I like it. I like what it does. I, I can't think of. I also sort of like how they alternate, um, like, uh, very small overworld dungeons, quote unquote, like the little mountain passes in the forest and stuff. It'll be like. I like oh, that. It'll, yeah. It'll be, it'll be like land dungeon, then slightly larger building dungeon, then land dungeon, slightly larger building dungeon, and it's oh. it, it, it's it's a rhythm that's comfortable and fun, and there's a, and there's yeah. a variety between them. I like that. That feels like a tail staple, doesn't it? So you always have the alternating like mountain path, and then you have, I don't know, a temple, and then you have a forest path, and then you have a hideout or a secret base or something. I like that. It's nice. And, and a special. sewer dungeon. Oh, yeah. Oh, is sewer dungeon. Is there a sewer dungeon in this game? Yeah, you're no. in it. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Uh, Baticle, sort of. Um, oh, you throw sludge around, so I don't know. It's the closest it's like... thing you'll get to it, and it's not too bad either. So yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. that one wasn't that bad. You're right. Yeah. yeah. The one. Uh, well, uh, okay, my, I I lied. My least favorite one probably was the uh, uh, the forest, just because I I I, I tried doing. Did you do it? Like, no, of course. Oh no! <laughs> I'm so glad they give you an option after a while. It's just, yeah, I, like, just like I gave after about 20 one. minutes. It's like, well, all right, I'm just gonna beat up all of these nice guy soldiers. <laughs> yeah. If, if, just... uh, if listeners listen to the uh, uh, the Deus Ex podcast from a year and a half ago, you'll know exactly how bad at stealth I am. So I did not <laughs> I not last long in the stealth in the stealthy dungeon in this game. But luckily, oh. they give you the option to just forget the stealth and crash through it, which I obviously did. did I actually wish more games did that. Like, you know, you get your demerits for not doing it. You don't get your treasure or whatever, but, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I got better things well, to do than to sit with it. I try every time, and every time I just forget. You literally just have to walk about two steps, and then there's this dog barking at you, and I'm like, oh, come on, like... Just want to try and do it right for once, and then it's like, yeah, it wasn't even right. made that well. So I wonder if that was just like no. the developers throwing a bone, just like whatever. Maybe they it should have bones to throw at the dogs to distract. Yeah. Them. That would that would have made yep. twenty times better. Actually, oh, I really yeah. like that joke. Um, okay, so uh, so the dungeons they get a pass; they're pretty good. Um, how do you guys think about the music? Yeah, um, it's. The thing it is, really hits or it really misses. Yeah, it's pretty standard Tales Fair, I think. I, I feel like if you're not the head of a capital, then your town theme is going to be garbage. 
Yeah, I mean, Batacool sounds great. The the water yeah. city smell absolutely delightful uh, every Grand, single time. Grand Kokma? Grand Kokma, yeah. I love Grand Kokma, yeah. That, that is, that is, okay, I think we each pronounce it a different way. Grand Kokma. <laughs> it's Grand Kokma. It's, but it's, uh, it was, uh, that that city had nice music. It was just a beautiful city in general. I just want to live there, yeah. I want to spend Lovely. more time there. Don't yeah. go to war with them. It's like, yeah, yeah. go to magical it's water, nice. Athens. Grand Kokma yeah. has magical water. The best king. I will bring up Emperor Peony at every stage possible. I, I, I want to play a game that's just like 20-year-old Peony and Jade hanging out and going on adventures. You and want like to Jade's play that. villain for reasons, you know. <laughs> get through a difficult really... part of his life. Yeah, um, I, no, I would accept post, uh, post-psychotic Jade or pre-psychotic Jade. Either, either <laughs> one. But both, both Those would be two different games. But When is post-psychotic it? Jade? Like he's the still psychotic, no, like sarcastic. Well, I mean, I mean, he mentions when you go to his hometown and meet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His sister that uh, he was he didn't understand life and death and was a prodigy, uh, a child science prodigy that was, you know, invented pharmacy and conducted kind of probably horrific experiments, but when he tried to revive his uh, his teacher, it um. It, it, it all ended it, in tears. Yeah, it it, it <laughs> wow. went poorly, and he doesn't do that stuff anymore. So, I mean, I, I guess he's still a little psychotic, but I, but he's not the he's not the <laughs> evil sociopath he used to be. One thing I like is that his look kind of lends to that. Like he's got the kind of very dark red eyes, which is you know pure anime staple for a evil character. You know, yeah. he's got that kind of long, kind of you know crazy scientist hairdo. Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, there's something off-putting about him. It wasn't just so much that you, you know, kind of give him frizzy, crazy hair. You know, that you kind of give those kind of crazy scientist characters. Right. But he yeah. actually looks kind of different. He's got an air about him. Huh. That's just kind of ominous. He doesn't look like Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein or anything. But he, he looks. There you like, go. He looks like anime evil scientist a little bit, and hmm. um, and uh, Dist, his cor- his corresponding member of the Six God Generals, is basically the mad scientist that. Uh, Jade probably could have been if he had walked down a different path. <laughs> uh, one thing I do have to say is that, you know, music-wise, I think the first battle theme is amazing, and the victory theme, and the God General fights. Those at least stand I, out. I really like the God General boss fight. Um, I also really like... I like the music for Darth, and I also like the music for Shuri Hill. It's quite yeah. mystical. Yeah, sh- and Yulia the... City. Oh, Yulia City is nice. Yeah, I really like Shuri yeah. Hill. Like I, I, uh, I noticed most. I, I can't remember most of the dungeon music since it's so background and, and kind yeah. of, and kind of you know RPG standard. But Shuri Hill was really pleasant. There are some good tracks later on as well. Kind of, one thing I like about Shuri Hill is that it really works in like even if the for a game with a very musical motif has kind of average music, right. but uh, Shuri Hill mm. kind of works in that musical motif and idea really nicely. Yeah. So like you'll see a lot of decorations where it looks like a bar of music. Oh, yeah. And the uh, the uh, uh, the puzzle in Shuri Hill reminded me of Ocarina of Time a little bit because you're, mm-hmm. you're filling out notes on a musical staff with a, the, that you know and, yeah. and it plays a melody. It's like oh, I, this sounds like something I would be playing on an ocarina. The Order of Lorelei's uh, like main religious symbol looks like a tuning fork. It does. Yeah. Saint Bina Saint Bina's doors look like a violin. Yeah, Tia's um, character design is based off of a violin or a stringed instrument. Yeah, so I think it's actually really cool how they worked that in, and totally an aside, but I love that Jade has a Pac-Man belt. No, no, that's definitely important. 
That's totally important, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they always, yeah really uh, every, every Tales game sneaks in some Pac-Man, some Valkyrie, some... Uh, I like that, they're proud. Uh, Tower of yeah. Druaga stuff, all, all of them have those references a little bit. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know for sure, but I'm sure that the Golden Armor, Blue Line Shield, and Blue Crystal Rod are in this game, like, as they always are. <laughs> I think there are um, my favorite ever reference or cameo that Namco did was um, in Symphonia. Prisea gets a Klonoa outfit. Oh, I and, love that! Yeah, yeah. Klonoa Klon- Klon- is like the forgotten Namco IP, and yeah. I'm like, please bring it back. No, it's it's <laughs> Klonoa is great, and a couple other characters have Klonoa outfits. The um the girl they added in the PS3 Vesperia can also dress up as Klonoa. But yeah, it's a, she yeah, can. It's a, it's a 2D meets 3D platformer that was PS1, then PS2, then the first one we had a Wii remake. And Klonoa 2 is, sec- like, the PS2 is secretly a really good platforming console, and Klonoa 2 is one of the better platformers on the PS2. That's nice music. Yeah. Yes. Love the music. <laughs> um, um, okay, so, so one thing I wanted to say that I really like about that game is, you know, so there's an emphasis on the story, and one thing I like is that the game goes out of its way to do that. You will actually have a rare case in RPGs where it's like town, town, dungeon, town, town, dungeon kind of uh, order instead, where you're actually hopping between, like, cities more often than you are dungeons. Yeah, and I also like... The game goes out of its way for its plot. Yeah, it does. And and I like how the dungeons, I'm sorry, not the dungeons, the towns, uh, are a little more permanent. Like if you if you think of the old dungeon town dungeon town RPGs, like your Dragon Quest or Lufias, usually once you're done with the town's little vignette, then you never have to go back there ever. They all have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. Like you have a grocery village, and like they talk about the farming a lot because of this, you know, grocery town. Yeah, or this farming town. Sorry. The first two towns in the game are Engave and Saint Bina, and right, we're at the midpoint of the game, and we have to return to those towns because they're threatened and they're important to the plot of the middle of the game, and instead of just being the forgotten first town, which is interesting, it makes the world seem a little bit more complete. Which, one thing I like, too, is the whole big set piece of Exeriuth has a really cool kind of political, you know, thing around it. Is that it used to be one nation's territory, now it belongs to another one. So what better for a peacekeeping mission of goodwill than to show that you're supporting that city? Yeah. And of course, when it all goes to hell because it completely, you know, the whole mission gets completely sabotaged and that's what starts war. Yeah. And and yeah, the, the two nations sort of blame each other for what happened to Exeriuth because it was Malkuth territory... But um, they believe that Princess Natalia and Phone Master Ion both died during it. So that and that's totally realistic enough yeah. to start a war, in my opinion. Right. And, um, it's not an arbitrary "we hate them, they hate us, we want land" kind of thing. It felt like a yeah. perfect kind of set piece. And the the three um, powers at play here are the uh, um, the uh, what should we call it? Kimlaska, Malkuth, and the Religious Order. Which mm-hmm. what do we call them? Do we... Uh, Order of Lorelei. Order of Lorelei. Okay, so he's like Doth and the Oracle Knights are all Order of Lorelei. Like they all have. <laughs> there's like, ranks. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, they all have different political machinations at work. Uh, like, like the the head of the uh, like Grand Ma- uh, what's his name Maestro Mose, uh, yeah. really wants really wants war because he wants to follow the prophecy of war that's in the score. Mm. Oh, we, sh- we should mention what the score is, shouldn't we? Yeah. But, but yep. yeah, but like they like different groups want or don't want war for different specific reasons and that feels like that feels politically possible like i i i understand why the war is happening and why it's so messy for a fantasy like political game it actually does it really well yeah um, relegate most of its plot like a lot of them 
games have done nowadays that it's all on it's all in game most of it is in game about 90 percent of it i would say is within the game there are some little bits you can pick up from the side um from one of the books i think but for the most part you don't need to go outside of the 50 hours of the game to go and find out like most games would probably omit all of the stuff with yulia and lorelei and the key of lorelei within the history but um and she's well, like the, the most impressive historical figure i've ever heard of by the way i mean like she's, she's done everything did it all Lorelei yeah and albert seem like a pair of ballers lorelei albert and jade are the absolute like mvps in this game like uh, in terms of story levels like they've done everything <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not fair <laughs> <laughs> i don't like how, how jade simultaneously has no chill and no filter yeah, <laughs> he, he will exactly speak his mind and be rude. His voice actor was everyone. perfect for that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, so you know, keeping in li- keeping with the, the game's like musical motif, there's something called the score, and it is like the perfect prophecy. It is so perfect and so thorough and long that it actually even knows when the world will end. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a kind of cool plot point, actually. Yeah, so, so like, get like a kind of weird religious ambiguity in that, like, you know, do we follow the score and let tragedy happen to us? Because the score talks about our nation falling, falling. But if we follow it, we get led to prosperity. If we don't, everything goes to hell. Who knows? And uh, the villains of the game, uh, well, basically Van and Legretta, express extreme distaste at the score ever existing. Like, they're like, I, I think I, I don't know this for sure because I haven't played it yet, but. They, I think they both hate the score and want the world to stop following it. And that, yeah, is, yeah. And, and that is partially motivating what they're doing. I'm not sure why they have to destroy the world to, to stop following, following the score. <laughs> uh, exactly. I, think, I think it's because <laughs> nobody else is willing to drop it, so I think they're just going to make the decision for everybody. Uh, yeah, that's, think... that's pure villain territory. I mean, that's what they do. So <laughs> You've already had a hint of it already. So when you went to the Ocean Cavern, when you had Ash in your party, there was this suggestion that, oh... They've figured out how to make an island, and so they go, oh, are they going to recreate Hod? And then it's just like, no, it might be something bigger. It's definitely something bigger. Right. Um, oh, Van... oh, are they going to try to end the world and then recreate it, maybe? Without no. Maybe. Recreate a, a score-free world? Okay. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, that, that, okay, that makes more sense now that I'm putting two and two together. But it's, uh... Yeah, no, uh, the, um, the score is a interesting concept and i uh and it it fits this whole very real feeling very complete feeling world that they've made and uh it's it's an interesting motivation that um the player can identify with a little bit of have of wanting to reclaim free will for people because there's because they mentioned there's people in this world that rely on the score for every minute of every day of their lives and they'll they'll do what the score tells them to do every day and other people that will maybe have the score read to them on their birthday and will use it to guide them like a annual horoscope but not but maybe won't follow it to the letter but it's But almost... it's still pretty dead on like it's right. they they treat it like it is pretty accurate like like 90% of the time it seems or 100% of the time down to interpretation as well so they'll suggest mm-hmm. one thing and they'll go oh okay it might do this and they'll like somebody will like maybe your cat will die or something and like oh but hang on a minute this might lead to something better it's essentially like that so they'll always basically twist it around to what they think because there's an instance later on that Moe's brings up i was going to bring it up but i've realized it's spoilery so okay. yeah yeah they don't say it yet. I've, i'm i'm <laughs> no i'm just beyond where we agreed to stop so i haven't heard it fine <laughs> 
So um, there's okay. So there's two things I thought really interesting about it. First is before you go to Coral Castle, uh, you have to go rescue some engineer. Who cares? Uh, but one thing I like is uh, <laughs> one thing I like is when they come up to you and they appeal to you. They're like, "Come on, man! He's a really devout follower of the score. You know, you have to save him. You know." Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about that that totally rings true. Like, you know, I, I was kind of in a religious household or whatever, and they're, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. oh, you know, we we do our best to follow the teachings of all this kind of thing. Can you please help us in return? And I don't know. I just thought some of the rhetoric and some of the way the dialogue unfolds about religion kind of. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it this game sounds is, familiar. I, I don't think this game is anti-religion the way a Grand no. Two or a Breath of Fire Two is, because uh, I mean it's okay. Spoilers for both of those games. Both of those games are basically the demons were running the religion all along. Yeah, <laughs> kind of stories. Or tell the symphonia. <laughs> a little bit. Like but it does have an interesting yeah. religious ambiguity. It, it, Definitely, it, no, it, it does, and it's um. It, I don't. Uh, the religion and the score aren't meant to be the villains. Like we mentioned, how. Uh, how uh, um, the two central characters that, like uh, of the religion, um, uh, Albert was it Albert and Yulia or Albert and Lorelai, uh, which one? Oh, there's Yulia mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, but like the, the central characters of the of the religion are interesting in their own right, and and most of the religious characters aren't evil, but um, it's still. Well, I mean Moses, but I mean look at his eyes. Okay, okay, Moses, oh. Moses, look at his haircut. Look at his eyes. Obviously. <laughs> Uh, but it's not an evil entity, and and uh, religious people are not bad people necessarily. So it's a it's simultaneously a a sort of a a, a dominant and respectful uh, version of religion that you also sympathize with the bad guys for wanting to destroy all of it. <laughs> Nothing um... because of how like constricting the score feels. Yeah. Like so, to me in this game, Ian is probably the best NPC. I think he's the most interesting, layered, uh, friendly for whatever reason, you know. And he's generally very, very smart. So one thing I think is really cool is that uh, there's even divisions within the the Order of Lorelei. So you got Mose, who's you know much more conservative, and then you have like uh, you get Ion, who's part of a more relaxed version. So like he's actually trying to stop a war that's written in the score. He's the head of his religion. <laughs> But he's still yeah. trying to stop a war. So I think he's actually really interesting that he, you know, despite his position within the religion that he's sort of the head figure of, is that he's trying to stop a war that was actually written in the religion. So he's kind of got interesting motivations. It's almost like he wants the best out of the world, even if it means abandoning the school, which is essentially what the main group yeah, he, end up trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, he knows, yeah. he's an optimist that, that, that wants to do good. While uh, while Moe's um, is very conservative and wants to follow the score to the letter, so the I'm a bit uh, disappointed that Moe's really. Oh, sorry to spoil, but he doesn't really end up being as great a villain. Well, no, I don't think he 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 doesn't feel like a villain, more like a just a troublesome NPC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that rascally NPC who gets in the way. Because most of the time, I mean, you only interact with him maybe twice, and you just hear about him, you know, having the ear of the king of Kim of Kimlaska. So it's like. The, the score says that there's going to be a war between Kimlaska and Malkuth that Kimlaska wins, and as a result, everyone will be more prosperous. So he's, so he's egging on the king of Kimlaska to, to war, so obviously he's a toady and a bad, and a bad person, but he doesn't feel like a megalomi megalomaniacal villain. Wow, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a word. Yeah, that's, that's a $3 word right there, yeah. That is a big word. While, while Van is, uh, once his, once his, uh, motives become clear or his uh you know his his true colors become clear he's like oh, okay here's our crazy wants to end the world 
uh, JRPG <laughs> villain. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of tell, like, Moses, yeah, just a flake, and you can tell everybody more fancily dressed is, <laughs> and colorfully haired are the, are the real uh, menaces in this. I know I've mentioned this before in podcasts, <laughs> but it, I, it always tickles me that the, every character in your party has a different hair color. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Got to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, you know, getting down to the brass tacks, the one thing I think we should talk about is I, I want to talk about the characters. There's a lot to digest with them. Yeah. Uh, I want to save Luke for last because I feel there's a lot to talk about with him. Uh, so we'll roughly go in some sort of order. So what did you guys think of Tyr? Um, at the moment, Tyr perhaps goes through quite a big arc of development. I think it comes a little bit later. She starts off as your typical kind of cold, oh, like cold, quiet, calm female sidekick, which is a little different for the Tales series, I think. Um, usually they're a bit more, like, going off of Symphonia and Eternia, uh, they're usually a little bit more quirky. Every Atelier game where they're just ditzy heroines. <laughs> yeah, they're usually, like, cute, quirky, sweet. She's high a, energy, yeah. High energy, yeah. Tira's definitely not that. She's very grounded. She's got good, she's got a goal, and she's, she's got a motivation. Um, I like her. She gets a bit better more in, in later in the game, and I think she's definitely more interesting as you progress, but I, you, I've not gone off her a little bit, but maybe coming back to this, I think that she has maybe, she's maybe a little bit less interesting than some of the other characters, I would say. She does have some really important points, like she's fan sister, I mean, the minute you find that out, you literally find that out about ten minutes into the game, but... You she just really loses her nerve to kill her brother after that she, first attempt. Yeah, she really does. Yeah, several, she has several encounters with her brother after the assassination attempt where she just sort of goes along with what he says. Yeah, exactly. It's like Which is nice because they kind of build it into a more of an emotional thing. Like, I really did not want to do this. Yeah, so it, like, it really just did a quickly drop plot point. <laughs> no, it goes into her development quite well, so she does soften up a little bit. And whereas Luke um, becomes more self-aware and also kind of more selfless tear becomes much more transparent and a lot softer and a lot more forgiving and a lot more patient with people so i like her arc but she's a I good think soldier she's... like i like that she yeah. that soldier personality and she's about a bit more uh you know just straightforward yeah i think she so. doesn't really she... hide what she's feeling she just kind of says it <laughs> She's definitely refreshing for a Tales protagonist up to this point. Um, she's a Tales uh, female protagonist anyway. Uh, but this just makes me sad that, like, um, like you know, she follows Moe's faction, and she's literally yeah. just the one wrong character. Like, she believed in him, but she was just wrong, just flat out. He's not trying to start war. No, he, he totally is. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, you were wrong. There's she no ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike? Yeah. Um... No, I basically agree with you. Um, she, she's interesting since she's also she's from uh, the the, the Cliffoth, so she so she's aware of the uh, of the abyss world of the game that you know not everyone in the overworld is, and ha- and knows a bit more about the machinations of the Order of Lorelei than most characters do. Be it, like be working for Moe's and being part of the Cliffoth and knowing all of this, but um. The the most active we ever really see her is uh, during that assassination attempt. Uh, outside of that, she's content to just go along for the diplomatic missions and and yeah. work for Moe's and just sort of do her thing, without being a super mover and shaker or story activist. 
But she's also, um, at, but but after uh, Luke commits his atrocity, which I guess we'll talk about a little later, um, she's sort of the first person that stays, or the at, at first the only person that sort of stays with him instead of agreeing to go along with Ash temporarily. So, so <laughs> that's such a cool part of the game. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's um I, I was a little surprised when she was the one that sort of accepted Luke or forgave him first when it looked like that they that at first they clashed and it, and maybe she would be the last to forgive him but no it's uh so she's she's interesting uh, she she keeps things dialed down she's not overly energetic she doesn't really have any annoying traits um if she has a dumb gimmick it's that uh she's she has this uh, outer persona of a cool of a cool chick but just really really loves cute things and you'll see her blush and then, like, thought bubble. Oh, my God, it's so cute. Whenever she sees a cheagle or something. Yeah, that, I thought that was funny. But uh, Whether oh, deliberate or not, you actually just listed the name of one of her costumes. Oh, oh, I did? Yeah, it's cool, chick. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that. I haven't found that costume yet. But it's uh, – I've only, I've only found, like, one or two costumes. I wish I could find – I, I know most – those will be backloaded, but – You just want the Sentai ones. You do. I do, and I looked them up, and you have to, and you, uh, they're it's only It's not a, easy. It's, a, you only, it's only in the second playthrough of the game. It is. <laughs> which is too bad. They luck a lot out for the second playthrough, which is not an yeah. easy task. No, yeah. it's definitely not. I would replay this game just in their Sentai costumes, even though there has, there, the, the, the choice of colors they did hasn't ever happened in a Sentai before, which bothered me a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. There, there hasn't been an orange, Fine. black, and purple in the same series together. Uh, but you can't see it, but I just rolled my eyes a little bit yeah. while I left. No, 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 I, I felt it. I felt it over here. We're, I, I felt it across country lines, in fact. All right. <laughs> the three of us are podcasting from three different nations, as it were. All right. Um, so Tyr is the uh, Tyr was the 16-year-old sergeant or something. No, she's just a soldier, seventh bonus, so she uses magic, and uh, she is the large-breasted girl in the series, which every game, every Tales game, uh, seems to have a, make a point of. Um, so um, I I don't know this yet, but I assume there's a uh, a hot spring scene where where yep. where Annis or well probably Annis comments on on the other two girls' uh, chest sizes. Like she already did actually. She does in one of the skits that you know she yeah. needs to fill out. But that's you know tales being tales. Uh, so Jade is a 35 year old colonel for the Malkuth Empire. He has a pretty dark past. What did you guys think of him? He's the best. Lana. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love Jade. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. He is the best deadpan wit maker of them all. He is. Yeah, because you don't expect it. I the first time I saw Jade, I was like, okay, he's gonna be like the really cool. He's gonna be like the uncle of the group, like you know the <laughs> kind of older kind of. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm gonna keep everyone in check. And then he like gets down on one knee and bows to Luke, and Luke's like, do you have no pride? And he's just like, none so cheap as to sort of. <laughs> like let this opportunity slip or something along those lines <laughs> but for every like smart intelligent thing that jade has to say he has at least four or five witty comebacks and i think he him and dist play off of each other so perfectly they I are love like, that he's got a lot of history with his character <laughs> yeah i do love the history between jade and dist a lot and find dist hilarious anyway without jade calling him dist the runny and him flying yeah, he knows how to get his... under his skin right away like any friend might. <laughs> I like the relationship he built up with Guy in the second half of the game as well. They become like yeah. almost partners in crime, like buddies that have to... Not really. He kind of uses Guy because he's yeah. smart, so... He's a subordinate. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, 
um, Jade definitely gets the best battle quotes and is the most overpowered character as well. Like, he's a really overpowered mage, and especially, like, later on when you get some of his really good skills. I, I do love the justification to weaken him a bit. Like, you know, we, like, it's good that they made him really yeah. strong. Yeah. Uh, but they had to dumb him down a bit because, you know, you couldn't have that the whole game. Yeah, they're just like, you spent an entire nation's budget on one person just to stop him from casting spells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's almost like the beginning of Symphony of the Night or the beginning of a couple Metroid games where you're super powered and you and you're like you're, you're using the characters like oh it's this is awesome I'm one shotting everything and then you lose it all it's like oh man yeah so it, it, it communicates that this character is real badass and powerful but now you have to sort of rebuild them. Which makes it even better because he's yeah. just doing it all over again. He's fine with that. Yeah, yeah and he, actually, he, he takes it completely in stride, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. One thing I like about the spellcasters going off is that um, in a lot of TP based Tales games, the spellcasters tend to have exclusively magic moves, whereas uh, Tear and Jade have like. So Tear's almost got like a pointed staff, and Jade's got a spear. And then, yeah, yeah, they finally get their own that. skills. Yeah, not it's really nice. It's really, really good. They can get yeah, TP they, a little bit easier. He's at least competent at hopping into the fray yeah. and, and poking a little bit to get his TP back up. His weapon yeah. is really cool, too. Even, there, there's a skit about how his uh, he keeps his spear um, concealed in his arm with some advanced fomacry. Yes. That's so and, cool. And he, and he could, like, summon it <laughs> at will, and, uh, and and Luke's like, oh, man, how can I do that? And they're like, you have to be actually good at this stuff and not a, and not a dumbass. So <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. I think right, so we're, we're probably going to be talking about him a lot more soon. So uh, let's let's just kind of move on because we're already spending a lot of time on this oh, game. I, I also like how like, I know you. Yeah. Like sorry. This, uh, but um, he has maybe the uh, like he has the wittiest comebacks of any of the characters, and his his opponent <laughs> on the God Generals dist has like the fewest comebacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that dist has a revenge journal. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, Liam. Liam O'Brien has like ruined himself on that role because every role he's played since then has just been kind of like dissed. I was like, where's your journal? Where is it? Like, so everything I've played with Liam O'Brien in it, I'm just like, no, nah, I can't, I can't see past dissed anymore. I mean, I, I looked up uh, who the, um, when I was looking up the different voice actors, I saw that uh, dissed voice actor is Kazuki Yao, who is one yeah. of them, who has a really absurd, uh, like clown ass voice. So yeah, he does. he's he's gonna sound like any Kazuki Yao character, which is just completely bonkers, which is fine by me. Oh, it's a real <laughs> shame they didn't like uh, dub the skits too, because one of the really funny yeah. ones is when they're tickling guy. When you have a girl tickling guy, and, oh. and then Jade joins in with his deadpan voice, like yeah, yeah, tickle, 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 tickle. tickle. <laughs> he laughs, doesn't he? He's like, <laughs> yeah. and then everyone stops and it's like, oh. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. It, it's weird <sighs> having those um, unvoiced uh, skits. Because, like, I, uh... I would have paid DLC money for that. Yeah, it would have yeah. been worth it. They just, feel, they just feel like unskippable um, dialogue scenes, which is a little frustrating. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were voiced in the... They're not all Japanese gems, so. right, yeah. ...as well. So, like, this was the first game that had voice skits, but we didn't get the voiceovers for the English version, which was a real shame, uh, I think. Weren't they, weren't they in the original, trans, uh, the original Symphonia as well, unvoiced? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, sorry, I meant that they were the first voiced ones. Like in Japan, they were voiced. Oh, the Abyss oh, skits. oh so, so the Symphonia ones weren't voiced in Japan? Mm, I don't think they were. The oh, PS2 wow. version may well have been. Someone will oh. have to correct me on that. But um, I don't I believe... That, yeah. 
No, I don't believe that uh, they were. Uh, Abyss was the first voice skit game, and the first one that we got was Vesperia that had voice skits, and it really improved them, I think. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They didn't feel like, like you said, like, you know how you get, like, dialogue in a really basic side quest? It's just a little bit trolley and a little bit like, do I really have to read this? Uh, they're really good. <laughs> I love them. Like, skits are probably some of my favourite parts of the Tales game. So, yeah. I, There's a lot just... of plots, so it's a good game to have skits for. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. a nice one yeah. to write them up with. A lot with. of the time, the skits have valuable information in them too. It's uh, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of them, but they provide some nice plot details. Natalia and Ash skits are pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> um, yeah, they really yeah, are. Yeah, poor thing is still in love with him. Uh, so like, oh, like, like oh, they're yeah. both crazy for each other, and <laughs> no, no. Ash, Ash is a bit of a uh, <laughs> a bit just, of a, a bit of a jerk, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of stoned up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so next on the list is the Ionian, I, bleh, Ionian Sergeant Anna Tatlin, Oracle Nightfall Master Guardian. <laughs> she, <laughs> Whenever she gets that victory quote, I yeah, I, I, I keep pressing B to try to skip to the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't like small children characters in games, and, 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 and Annis did not endear herself to me by... Um, I like her. By having her defining character trait being trying to get with rich dudes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like it because she's so young and because she is so somewhat mature. Yeah, she is. She's do, bratty I... like a kid, but you can't really have just an actual kid being in charge because that's just weird. And then you get some sort of richy rich scenario going on where it's, yeah. I don't know, they're she not fun. The, she gets the best weapon. Yes. <laughs> she does get the best. She's actually great gameplay wise. I never gave her a chance she my first is. playthrough, but she's actually a lot of fun. I'm not she really giving a... her a chance. She's the character I use the least by far. Yeah, she's definitely my least favorite character. She yeah, she's my least favorite character plot wise and I don't ever use her in combat, sadly. That I do makes love so she's yeah, plot wise she's young, but I do like that she still has some beef with Legretta and it's actually pretty good when you hear the the center of it. Yeah, well, and Ariana Ariana but, but her yeah. opposite no, yeah, Arietta, not Legretta. Arietta, sorry. Yeah, Legretta's the gun lady, and Arietta's the beast little girl. Yeah, right. I like their relationship, because they're fighting over Ion, essentially. I do like her relationship with Arietta, Ion, because Arietta, Ion... Arietta, I assume she returns later, right? Because she was one of the earliest bosses, but she's barely yeah. been in the game since. Yeah, she oh, comes yeah. back. You'll be dealing with her mommy drama later. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you killed her mommy. I like how sad she looks too. Like she's so cute, but she's you know she's got that really whiny voice that really matches her look. So yeah, really. (laughs) I do like you said though. I do like the battle between Arietta and Anis for Ion. Ion and Anis are such opposites. So you've got sweet, pure, intelligent Ion, and then you've got like loud, brash, bratty Anis. And I love the bit where like yeah. So when you're on the Tartarus for the first time, and I like the bit where you meet up with Ion, and then they're like, oh, I'm really worried about... I was really worried about Annis when she fell off the ship. And then Ion goes, oh, no, she was all right. And he's like, oh, apparently she screamed, I'll kill you bastards, as she fell down. And I was like, that's so good. She's 13, though. I'm like, something I don't like about Tales games is they make the child characters. She's not even a child. She's 13. But she's like four foot, four foot five or something, or four foot eight. I wasn't that sure at 13. I was like, I'm just like, that's obviously it's disproportionate and like it makes sense, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, well, like my... the, the two kids in uh, Vesperia were the same, right? Carol, who is just really, really street smart and incredibly wise, you know, and yeah. wielding a giant, a giant axe, and Rita, who's just <laughs> the smartest of her caliber at the age of like 15. It's like, yeah. okay, I mean, whatever. Yeah. 
I like anime. the characters in Vesperia, actually. I think they've done a lot better with the kid characters in later games, so... Rita um, has a little bit of jade in her, because she's just... Definitely. Has, she just has, like, no filter and says exactly what she thinks, and she's this brilliant scientist that is so really blunt in her mannerisms that... Well, I, what I they like, like is that, like, like jade is the... Jade is, like, the mad scientist, whereas, like, uh, Rita was, like, the socially awkward bad scientist who just, you know, couldn't really form a relationship if she tried. She's, like, a cross between Rain and Jade, I think. So she's not as sarcastic as Jade. She's got, like, the kind... She's a bookworm. So, like, Rain, she likes studying ruins and everything, but she has the bite of Jade and the power of Jade. She is also extremely broken. So... She's very broken, but I love her. Skills that like cut down her. Tidal wave. Tidal wave. Tidal wave. Yeah, chain spells together. Rita's crazy in Vesperia. Destruction, destruction. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we don't get into this podcast, but one of Anna's motivations actually really works for me because she's a child. But we'll we'll get into that in the future. Yeah. Um, Okay, so next is the wonderful BFFFF guy. Yay. I like Guy My, a lot. He's he's um, the best. He is he, the best. I love him. He's adorable. He is the best in battle, in my opinion, too. I think he's yeah. Like, <laughs> by I, I, use, uh, I I use him uh, mostly mostly him the most, I guess, because he has the uh, he has a pretty good suite of basic sword moves that are like like the traditional tails swordsman stuff are like are split between him and Luke, but he has a uh, sort of more combos, more mobile, and uh, yeah. They have really good reach. Like, when he swings his sword around, it'll actually hit an enemy behind him sometimes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, one of his, uh... Oh, one of his skills, yeah, it's got like a... Yeah, he, <laughs> one of his fast draw skills can hit, like, four enemies at once because it's a really wide arc that goes out a fair distance for a sword. It's like a 200-degree angle that it hits, yeah. yeah it's like, really, <laughs> yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you know the one I'm talking about, but I forget what it's called. Uh, um, Void Tempest? Uh, void Strike or something like I think, that. No, I think it is Void Tempest, Tempest which is different yeah. from regular Tempest. Yeah, you, he does get a regular Tempest. version of that. Right. Yeah, of he does get a regular Tempest move, so it's fine. Um, one thing uh-huh. I love is that when, when you meet Guy in Aramis Cavern, when you finally go meet Luke again, he's just full of really sweet BFF talk. You yeah. know, so like, he doesn't, like, the game has a lot of the cloning blues kind of thing with Luke. He's like, but I'm not the original. And, you know, he just kind of comes back. He's like, so what does that what does that have to do with it? You're still going around yeah. for seven years, you know, you're still you and... Ash doesn't even like the name, so you should take it. So yeah, like I wasn't friends with uh, with the the other guy for the past seven years. So exactly, he he really has a good male best friend vibe, and um the the sort of the the slight darkness in his story uh, comes as a bit of a surprise, but it's a but it's a cool little bit of backstory. And his it is his humor makes him less thoughtless the way he usually seems to be. <laughs> yeah, his, his gag trait of being just terrified of women is uh, you know, it is, it's funny and not not that annoying. So I'm 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 into guy a lot. I really like him. It's played oh, up nicely know. for laughs in that he's a bit of a woman, like he's a, a bit of a Romeo, but he can't be <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> he's just so sweet to women. He's just like, oh, I wouldn't ever turn down a beautiful lady like you. And, and he does it to Natalia quite a lot. And Natalia's like, you're saying that, but you actually can't do anything. She's like, actually really fun about it, too. He's like, well, yeah, but when Luke and I are married, you're going to have to get over it because I'm going to be living there. <laughs> she's, like, trying to help him get over it, but she's not very nice about it. And, and there's one scene I remember where, uh, like, he says something that's a little sexist or something, so Tyr, like, appears behind him and just and just hugs him, and, we're, we're, and, he, and, he, and, he, has, yeah. and he faints. And he loses it. <laughs> 
whenever he uh, screams because it's the same voice actor i always get the vash the stampede thing where vash is like right. running across the desert away from things and i'm just like closest thing in power rangers yeah I, oh yeah well, well his well okay his his voice actor was a power ranger <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep hammering on you about no, that. But it's, it's all good. I I like Japanese superheroes a lot. I'm not. I'm not. It's not a secret. But the thing I mentioned this before, but the vibe, the voice acting thing that confused me the most is Persona Three because uh, because Guy and uh, uh, Guy and Luke are the main character and Yosuke in Persona Four, and um, and the main character mm-hmm. and and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the voice actor for Luke is the main character in Persona Three. So I, the, yeah. I, get, I get a lot of Persona flashbacks from the voice acting in this game. But it's true, Good. Johnny Young ba- Bosch was the Black Ranger at one point. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you tune in, we are doing an RPG fan stream of Persona 3 right now, too. So yeah, check oh, that are, out. Yeah, Is, uh, is, that, yeah, is, is uh, Scott on that one? Yeah. He is. Yeah. yeah. You can't do uh, Persona 5, so... <laughs> Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, listeners to this podcast would have already heard our Persona 3 episode a couple weeks ago as well. Yes. Um, okay, so yeah, we were in big favor of Guy. Guy's our guy. Guy's our guy. guy the... <laughs> oh, one thing I love, his, his, uh, yeah, yeah, that works out so beautifully. And, um, one thing I love is that his sword would never, ever fit in a scabbard half the time. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> swords tiny, are massive. He has this tiny, thin katana scabbard, but his swords are the same as Luke's swords and are, like, wider than his arm. So it's it's it's, it's, cool. it's, it's like a it's like a like Inuyasha where he has that giant scimitar that fights into it that fits into a, a katana scabbard. <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh yeah, but they they beautifully magically work that one yeah. in. This well, one yeah, it's just kind of like <laughs> wave the video game hand away no, and no, ignore it's, it. It's Fomacree. It's like uh, J- it's like Jade Spear. Yeah, that's what. Oh, I love that the game yeah, can use Fomacree like... to explain whatever the hell they want. Just mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Fomacree did it. It's like oh okay. Fun. How did That's you why. survive this fall that literally wiped out an entire town? Fun. Oh my god, okay, just quick aside, can we just, admit, can we just all say that the worst death in the entire goddamn series is probably that kid? Yeah! The kid that just oh. really sinks into the poison mud? That's oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that never gets easier to watch, and you just gotta let him be because he can't do anything. And you talk oh. to him in town, and he's all excited to go back home to St. Bina to see his parents. <laughs> Oh, it's no, like, it's oh man, this is dark. Oh my god. Um, okay, so next up is Natalia Luzuvan, Kim Laska Landvildir, the betrothed of Luke, uh, but sort of not. So, what do y'all think about her? I like her a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, she does. She's similar to Luke, so she starts off quite bratty. Uh, she's got airs. That's what it is. I don't think she's bratty as much as she's got a she's... bit of an air. Yeah, she's spoiled. Definitely yeah. knows that she's entitled to her position, but, but she's she not because she yeah. loves, she doesn't mind getting down and dirty and helping exactly. people. And that's what I really like about her. So she, like, she initially comes off as very like I have to do everything. Blah 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 blah. I'm a, like she feels like she's entitled to do things, uh, but she actually just gets in and gets stuck in. She's very lovely and sweet and. She's one of those characters that I find really difficult to describe what I like because I just... She's very balanced. Like she's lifelike she's in that balanced. way. Yeah, she's probably a bit closer to your traditional tales uh, heroine, I guess, because she's a little bit more 
I don't know, like a little clumsy. She's the trope. She's the not. She she's the I can't cook trope as well, oh, yeah. which is always my favorite thing. <laughs> well, it's her and Luke can't cook for shit. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. There's always at least one Tails character that's really good at cooking and one that's really bad at cooking, and she's who's the like, really good cook? Is it Guy? Yeah. The Guy or Jade? Uh, I thought it was Anna. Jade and Guy. I think. Oh, okay, Jade and Guy. Yeah. Oh, I think so uh, Yuri and Vesperia was the only hero that was actually the good cook of his group. Because <laughs> he makes his croquettes with love, you mean? Like yes. <laughs> mm, croquette. If, if you look, uh, at the, if you look at the uh, uh, like the cooking stats of all the Fantasia characters, everyone is like, oh, uh, you just need to, you just need ten, ten uh, cooks to master, ten, like fifteen <laughs> to master, and then Arche is ninety-nine to master any recipe. Oh, really? I love yeah. Arche. Uh-huh. That's it's, actually a really clever idea. Oh man! And in the PSP version, like the hardest title to get is is having our Arche master every re- recipe. That's blimey. That's, that's that's telling a joke with gameplay, and I appreciate that. Definitely. That is really good, yeah. And it's cute that the Tales games actually love talking about the kind of individual strengths and weaknesses, well, as well as yeah. boss sizes being important, but. Besides that, <laughs> yeah, I think any um, Natalia's a solid character. Yeah, I like her because she she goes through I a good love development. Her, uh, arc, Princess like, Archery like, outfit too. Like it's I such love, a cute outfit for I what it is. I love her outfit, and I want to dress up as her so badly because we're both bushy arms too. Hair. That very billowy arm. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing as her, and I really like her playing as her. She's a really nice, solid archer. Um, she's really fun to use. Um. I like the mix of spells that she has as well. So, she's not a, she's good. She's she's good stuff. If you're one of those people who don't like healers, I hear she's actually a pretty good alternative if you don't want to bring Tyr in. No, she is. She, um, you, she's you, ha- you have to have a you have to have either her or Tyr or both to, just so you have backup healing. But they're both um they're both quite effective. Even with, that kind yeah, of reminds not me. Pure healers. I feel like surprise encounters would be interesting if there wasn't just six party members. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. oh no, my formation broke. I got two people in here that are still pretty good. It's like, well, if yeah. there's eight characters and you just use four for the whole game, but then a back attack happens and the four characters you've neglected the whole time are suddenly thrust into combat. That, that That'd that be more like, interesting. That sounds like a fun problem to solve, I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. we'll tell... Uh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, so the Tales games are pretty good at um, experience distribution because in... Most of them, I think Symphonia definitely, and maybe a couple of others, you might have to get skills for them. Uh, it's all equal experience all around, but this one, I think it's a three quarters possibly for the back row, or I, I two thirds or something. I think it's even more than that. It's like ninety percent because you'll have, yeah, it'll be like one. Your main team gets one hundred and forty, and the back team gets one twenty five or something. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's a pretty even experience curve. But over time, if you really ignore or really favor oh, yeah. certain characters, it will show up. But it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not. They don't get no experience, which is very frustrating. Sorry yeah, that this it, is a bit of an aside, but I thought Chrono Cross handled that the best of all of them. Where it's like, yeah. like everybody gains a level for a boss for a boss defeat, so everyone kind of stays pretty consistent. And you know, if they're weak in one way, they're always weak in that way. They're not weak because they were backs on the backseat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they were bench warmers. So I thought that was actually really interesting in that game. But that has nothing to do with this. So sorry. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll weigh in on Natalia briefly. I think that she's um she's a good character, and they just she's just very princessy because she has the. Uh, she has like the uh, the aristocratic air of being a princess, but also she k- deeply cares about her people and wants to help them and wants to be a good princess. So that's oh, 
I love when Luke is at his worst and when they go to Xeria Youth, he's like, yo, Natalia, don't go there. You might catch something. And it's like, what are yeah, you talking about? What am I going to yeah. catch? You know, yeah. you're such an go, ass. Go, like, these are my people. I got to go heal them. Or yeah, that's actually, I think it was under Malkuth control, but she, she has that, that attitude anyway. It's not nearly as interesting as the central relationship, but I do like her uh, her little shtick with Ash too. Is that like you know that was the sort of guy that she was promised to, and they yeah. sort of hit it off right away. And then they had a childhood promise, and she realize and when she realizes that Ash is the one that was her childhood friend, and he remembers like right away, whereas Luke is just a lost cause on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Aww. sort of tragic that you know she's kind of. <laughs> You know, she's kind of got this sort of weird romance, you know, princess romance going, and it's not really going too well. <laughs> um, okay, so, best for last, maybe. Uh, so, Luke, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, no, you're I... new to this. What do you think? Well, um... <laughs> I love starting the game with a brat, and I love seeing how he changes. Yeah. It's, it, was an it is a really good fish that. out of water. Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting choice that they made doing that. Uh, having a character that's deliberately unlikable at the beginning, then having him undergo a character turn, and uh, and become much more likable. I think I think that his, um, I think that his transformation in that way is earned because especially because everyone else in the party immediately hates him for what he did at Exeriuth, and he uh, and his low point is just everyone hates him. He's not a real person. The, you gotta uh, earn it back. Yeah, and he just he just he, it literally you know shocks him into a coma, and it, it um I, I think it's earned. I, I I really like Luke now. I thought thought he was annoying at the beginning, but they were definitely making it clear that that, that was their intention. And I do uh, I do like what they say at one point. They're like you know at the very least Luke is an equal opportunity brat. So like he'll tell kings a, to shut up and he'll to, tell peasants. He's a brat to everyone except for Van. And Van clearly like raised him the past seven years to hero worship him just so he could uh, destroy a pillar for him. Or, I thought that was brilliant, seven, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms <laughs> of like you know evil menacing villain plots, yeah. I think the way Van totally you know worked Luke around his uh, around his finger was totally perfect. Yeah, you know and that Luke was him. A- yeah, if somebody, if everybody in the world made fun of you, but some, one person praised you, of course you would follow them. Yeah, exactly. Right? And the way he just disposes of him and throws him away like your foolish replica, and it's just, Luke is just like, what do you mean? What's what's a replica? What's this? Like, why all of a sudden are you doing this? And even after for a while, he's going, oh, no, I still trust Master. It was his fault. He made me do it. It's all this. And it's the yeah. kind of, I, I really like, I really like Bright Luke, actually, because it, like you said, it's a real throw off like the turn up really you're just like not expecting that from a jrpg protagonist um i do like his development arc i do find that he becomes the typical tales protagonist eventually and i find the the little bit finds that the kind of he has these little moments where he's just like oh maybe i shouldn't be born kind of thing it's just like where Lloyd in the previous English release Tales game is just kind of the complete opposite. Like, don't you dare ever suggest to me that you should die because everyone's important. That's yeah. more the philosophy that I stick to. So that Luke's attitude to that is just kind of like, I just kind of want to not slap him, but I just want to like pick him up and be like, look, don't be like that. Like, do you know you're worth it? And that's what everybody else does. So he bounces off of the rest of the cast really well because he's like the one who's trying to be good. So he's trying to. So whereas all the other characters have had their like bad part as mostly and have got to the good, to their better half, Luke is trying to get to that better half. 
So he does become a bit more standard, I guess, for character, but his development necessary. is really well handled. It's necessary and it's really well handled, especially the further you get into the game and it gets way more interesting the later on that you get and you do find that he is a very responsible human being slash copy. It's it's cool because biologically Luke is only seven years old. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, his brattiness, his, you know, lack of understanding, his lack of empathy, Understand. his sheltered childhood, it kind of really, really works well for his character and the yeah. fact that he has to grow up quite literally quickly. He does. It does yeah. make a loss. And, and you're right, post-transformation, he is a relentless do-gooder like most Tales protagonists. And but but that's part of why why it's refreshing because he had to be sort of torn down before he could become that person, and uh, and that feels unusual for Tails because other like other than Yuri in Tales of Vesperia and maybe the the new girl in Tales of Berseria, it's almost always someone who is just who is selfless and good to a <laughs> absurd degree, and um, so having him be this different version of that who has to sort of become a good person after being this awful person and experiencing this awful tragedy is, I know I've said this over and over, but it feels earned, and I, I really like him for that. One thing that's cool is that, you know, so the the whole Xeria thing is, is just a really great, again, and like I've said before, is a great set piece, so you know, you find out Van's intentions, so you find out a lot about Luke, Van betrays you, and Ash betrays Van, funny enough. So it's just kind of an interesting stepping off point to where the story starts to really, really pick up. Uh, and sort of Ash becomes this uh, really, really interesting character in the series. The game, yeah, he, whatever. I'm not sure if he's an, an anti-hero or a second protagonist or just a rival for Luke. Because I, I don't think... Um... <laughs> he is actually a really... He's actually a good guy. He is a yeah. very, very yeah. good guy. But his attitude will have you always, always thinking otherwise. Because mm -hmm. he's just relentlessly good one, yeah. and, and he absolutely despises Luke for taking away his life. And, uh, and, yeah, and, and, and uh, that's from, fair. <laughs> yeah, from... I guess, how old, is, how old are they? Is, uh, is 17? So, yeah, so yeah. he took away all of Ash's years from age 10 to 17 so he could, you know, learn how to be... Like so, he would just undergo harsh martial arts training or something, or or be you know in like locked up in a in an Oracle Knights prison. I don't know exactly what his uh, intervening years were like, but like his his uh, Ash's hate of Luke is justified, and they haven't really they haven't met each other. Well, and in fact, um, where we are in the game now, after Axeriuth, uh, Luke hasn't encountered Van or Ash again. So there's there's a lot. Oh, they will. There's a lot to unpack there. Yo, oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's forward. tears all around yeah um but uh i think tears just sort of like on a just, not just one tear no nah, <laughs> oh god that reminds me mysterica has to be the worst name i've ever heard in my entire life that's ah. pretty bad oh hysterica yeah, neither of those are good. They're really bad names. Uh, but one thing I do like is, um, you know, because again, the whole fish out of water, Luke's never been outside of the manor, quite literally, never, um, is that, you know, you have a pretty interesting, and Tales games actually do this often, in that the human NPCs actually matter. So, like, in Tales of Symphonia, if you killed a human enemy, they wouldn't vanish like most monsters do, they actually just fall on the floor. Right. And in this game, you know, when you see that the people, like, you know, that that your playable characters have to fight actual human characters, it's a lot of a shock to to Luke. Yeah. And it's great. Like, they don't dote on it too long, which is good, but I like that they still make it a plot point that, you know, you know, it's war and people die, and are you willing to kind of pick up the slack on that? So, you know, like, I do like that this game doesn't take death and all that stuff lightly. 
But, um, oh, that reminds me. Yeah, Venice apparently is supposed to be a 28-year-old, which he neither sounds nor looks like. Wait, wait, Van? Yeah. yeah. Van, 28. Supposed, Van is supposed to be younger than me. He looks 30, like, 38, if that. Yeah, he's, it's, he's it's, much it's... closer to 38 than 28. It's like, Luke, <laughs> you must follow me. I should, I should say that one of my favorite skits in the series, in the game thus, thus far, is when Annis is explaining to Natalia the how and how, um, how Van gets his powers from his beard and eyebrows. Yeah, he does, though. <laughs> he absolutely does. Those are some ferocious eyebrows, man. I told you. I warned you. <laughs> you you did. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I don't believe he's 20. I remember reading that and just going, really? Are you joking? So, like, no. He looks at least, like, well, Duke is older than Van. Duke is 40, I think. And and Jade, and Jade is like is, Jade is older yeah, than make, Van. Wouldn't make that. Wouldn't that make Jade six years older than Van? Yeah, yep. Jade is seven years older. He's thirty-five, I think. Okay, I, I, I yeah. Thirty-four. So I I do not buy Jade being seven years older than Van. Not one. Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it down to Fomacry. So Fomacry yeah. for Jade. He looks so, so useful. And Van, it's just the the cliff off. I don't know. The, the no, he wasn't. You know, the, the falling into the cliff. It ages you. Mm. Oh, God. Oh, can I, I just also want to say, I think Yulia City is one of the coolest looking cities ever. Yeah, it's really clever. You don't explore really... much of it, but... It is cool. Uh, I, think that, uh, I think that Grand Kokma is cooler, but... Oh, uh, yeah. I, I yeah, it's prettier. Really, I just really like Grand Kokma. Um, so, I think we covered a lot in this one. Is there anything else anybody wants to add? Because we've got another big one for the oh. second half of this. Um, no, I think there's a lot to cover in the second half, definitely. Um, yeah. For it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will be back with the second half of Tales of the Abyss. The story gets even denser from here on out. Uh, it's really been great hearing what you guys think about it, because this is definitely plot-wise one of my favorite games ever, just because there's so much in it, and it does it all very, very well. Um, so just quick, how uh, you guys are good? You got nothing to add? Are we like roughly? Are you giving it like a seven out of ten at least? Oh no, higher, higher than that. More than that. Yay! Yeah, this no, is I, definitely... I've played a, I've played at least seven or eight Tales games, but I've only finished I think four or five. <laughs> and I'm um this is this feels like one of the best of those absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited yeah. to see how it goes. I like yeah. it though for a series that's not really known for a good story. It's like they put everything they got literally into this one game and still haven't been able to do it again. Yeah, they've never reached the heights of the story until possibly Berseria, and I still think that this trumps it for totally. various reasons. Berseria is an excellent story and a really good cast of characters, but I think there's something about Abyss that just makes They just it. threw in so much. There's like more characters, more political intrigue, more, you know, more bad shit happening to the and world. Just more, 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 more. And yeah, everything nothing. is involved. The entire world is involved. It's not just Loose us. Ends, group all of wrapped people. up. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. It doesn't. We'll say we'll get to it, but I, it's it's two slash one on my list. So yeah, of Tales games. Cool. My, so, my yeah. favorite Tales game is Fantasia, but uh, that's a classic. I think, that's I, think I would put that up there. I just I, haven't I really like it. <laughs> but I, but I haven't also, finished a good version. Yeah. Also, the um the, the Game Boy Advance version of Fantasia is terrible. Like the other uh, three versions are all great. Uh, and yeah, the SNES one did more for SNES, or than yeah the GBA one did as a game. Just yeah, the... the SNES version of Fantasia is awesome. They 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 have a fully, rec- a fully recorded pop song intro, which I'm not, <laughs> I, which I don't know any other Super Nintendo game that, <laughs> or Super Famicom game that did that. That actually kind of reminds me. I feel like Tales of the Abyss is what put Bump of Chicken on the map. 
Yes. I think, yeah, like this is the first game that really, and it's a great song. The Tales of the Abyss opening is absolutely great. I love, I love her karma. Karma's Not great. Not my serious favorite, but yeah. It's way up there. <laughs> way up there. It is a good <laughs> opening song. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing this one. It's, uh, I mean, between this and uh, the Shadow Hearts podcast a little while ago, I'm really killing my PS2 backlog, and I'm very happy <laughs> about that. <laughs> good. Um, okay, so uh, the May game is going to be Darksiders. Yeah, sorry, I'm just getting right into it. The May game for Retro Encounter is Darksiders. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts of your own, we would love to read them on air and talk about them as well, especially for a game as, you know, intense as Abyss is. Email us at retro at rpgfan.com. We love hearing from you. Or, you know, reach out to uh, me and Nelson on social media. So we are on Facebook uh, at rpgfan.com. We are on Twitter, which is at rpgfan.com. Uh, please review us on iTunes tell it, and uh, listen to some of the various podcasts. They're wonderful to listen to. We have so much fun and we love you know, hearing what you guys think about that. Which, by the way, we did actually get another comment on Twitter saying that, yay, I just discovered Retro Encounter and it's great. Oh, awesome. um, I love that. So you will, I'm totally in a Tales mode right now. I got Brazaria going and every Wednesday I do Tales of Symphonia. So please join me on there too. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm probably one of the site's bigger Tales fanatics i guess i'm always talking about them it's really lame but you know geek out with me and geek out with us <laughs> on the site <laughs> that's what we're about <laughs> so i'm gonna go eat pizza soon so any other closing words um we've talked about those no, games but, a lot yeah. on this podcast and i'm glad that we're finally doing an episode it's really fun and yeah wow that's that bye guys hopefully we'll hear from you again soon Woo!